Mercy and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. When I was in seminary, one of my favorite professors was Dr. Gerhard Frost. Not the poet, Robert Frost, but uh, Gerhard Frost was uh, also an author, and he wrote a, a number of little books with reflections and kind of free verse poetry. And one of them is this one, called Blessed is the Ordinary. And there's a little piece in here. I want to share part of that with you this morning. It's called The Sent One. I remember being sent. It made me 10 feet tall. How dignifying to walk in borrowed prestige down the winding road to the country store. I carried a note. Not in my handwriting, of course, because I couldn't write. I could scribble, but I never scribbled on that note. And I was careful, so careful lest it fall in the dirt, I was content just to carry it. To be sent is an exercise in being third. First, there is the sender. Second, the one to whom you're sent, and then you, the sent one. Any two without the other won't do. The sender. For the young Gerhard Frost, that sender was probably a parent or an older sibling who wrote the note and sent him down the winding road to the country store. Gerhard trusted that sender and felt it was such an honor to carry that message. It's important to be able to trust anyone who sends us. In the second lesson, Paul, or the writer, gives uh, some very powerful words describing God. And that description is just so delicious. I'd like you to hear some parts of it again. Listen for the verbs. God blesses people with every spiritual blessing. God chooses us to be holy and blameless and destines people in love to be God's children through Christ and freely bestows grace, redeems, and then lavishly shares the riches of God's grace. And God's desire and whole purpose is to unite all in God's love. That's the description of someone who is in no way a very stingy sender. Never before has there been and never will there be anyone who more lavishly and generously gives than God has through the love of Jesus Christ. God is the perfect, loving, and ultimate sender. Second, said Dr. Frost, is the one to whom you're sent. The second part of last Sunday's gospel reading, if you remember Pastor Stephen's sermon, was about this, where Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. And the very last verses of that text shared us, showed that the disciples proclaimed that all should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. That, my folks, 
is the kind of people we'd love to be sent to and to hear that message and to have those kinds of results. That would be awesome. That's every pastor's dream congregation, you know? The place where the place is full every week and everybody comes to all of the activities all week long and is excited and anxious to participate and give to the mission and ministry of the congregation in many and different ways. And that the whole community is glad to have that pastor and the other staff members like Deacon Deborah and the congregation in that community. Boy, that would be a dream come true for any pastor. Today, we hear a slightly different response. John the Baptist didn't get the same enthusiastic response, at least not from everyone, and especially not from Herod and his wife Herodias. You know? Um, John's message to them was really no different than to anyone else, calling them to repent and be baptized so their sins would be forgiven. Same message. The only thing is that Herod and Herodias really didn't like John saying that maybe there was something they needed to repent about, especially their marriage to each other. Um, Herod had John arrested and put in prison in part to protect him from Herodias, who really wanted him dead. But Herod liked to listen to John because he felt he was a holy person, and yet he was really kind of confused and not sure what John was saying. But Herodias... She got her chance to get her wish at that birthday party that Herod threw for himself when he made that rash and very public promise to the young girl who danced, their daughter, who was probably about the same age as Jairus' daughter, around 12, and promising her anything even to half of his kingdom. And when, prompted by Herodias, she asked for John's head on a platter, she got it. The guests at Herod's birthday party literally saw John's head delivered on a platter. And I can only imagine what that did to the mood of the party. Amos, in the, new in the first lesson, was also sent by God to people who didn't always appreciate the message that he was bringing. He was from the southern kingdom of Judah, which was uh, worshipped at Jerusalem. And God sent him to the northern kingdom, which had its main worship center at Bethel, or Bethel in the Hebrew word. And he, Amos, the message Amos brought from God was that the northern kingdom was not plumb, was not in alignment with what God wanted for them. And that meant that they were going to be invaded and conquered and people go into exile and the king would die. 
that wasn't a really popular message, you know, as we might well imagine. And especially with Amaziah, the high priest, and with Jeroboam. And Amaziah said, Amos, hey, pack up your message and go home. Amos didn't do that because God sent him. The sender in each of these cases was exactly the same with Amos, John the Baptist, and the disciples. And the intention of the sender was the same, for the people to be in a loving relationship with God and with others. But the response, that wasn't always the same. There were those, yes, who welcomed the message with joy because it was life to them. There were others who didn't like the message and said, go home, shut up, leave us alone. And then there were a few, especially one, who said, off with his head, literally. Third, there is the one who is sent. Amos was a farmer. He raised sheep, goats, and grew fruit trees, sycamore trees. John the Baptist, as we read through the New Testament, was kind of a loner out in the desert most of the time, and he had some strange tastes when it came to clothing and diet. You know? um, the disciples, they were a real mixed bag. Many of them were fishermen, you know, not well-educated people. Um, there was one who was the equivalent today of an IRS agent, tax collector, and there was at least one political activist amongst the group. Throughout scripture, God has this knack for calling people who don't seem to fit our description. There was Moses, and it may come as a surprise to some of you, that Moses had killed somebody and that he had a speech impediment. But God called him nonetheless. There was a woman named Esther. She was living in a foreign land and uh, was part of the harem of the king at that time. And God called her to stand up for her people so that they would not be killed like the king's decree had said. There was Paul himself. He had stood by when Stephen was being stoned to death and had gone to Damascus with letters allowing him to imprison and drag back to Jerusalem any Christians he found. And then there were women like Priscilla and Dorcas and Lydia who were prominent women in their uh, Gentile uh, communities throughout the New Testament who risked their influence and their position to share the message about God's love in Jesus. And these are just a few, just a few of the examples throughout scripture of the people, the kinds of people, the, the vast variety of people that God calls. But you know what? Our names are on that list too. Age, gender, occupation, education level, prosperity, none of that qualifies or disqualifies us from being called by God. Now, you might not feel qualified or prepared 
to be sent by God. And those feelings come, even for Deacon Deborah and myself at times. And, you know, we don't always feel quite as prepared either. But remember who is sending you. And remember what that message is that you're sent to share. If we were sent to proclaim our love, even our own love for God, we'd be in trouble. That's not preparing. That's not qualifying us. It's not about us, in fact. It's not about us as individuals or even about us as a congregation. It's about God's love. And like Gerhard Frost said, talking about scribbling on the note, if it's about us, it's like us scribbling on that note. The message that God sends. The only qualification to be sent by God is to be chosen by God in love and redeemed through Jesus Christ. That qualifies all of us. Chosen here redeemed in bread and wine. And yes, if you're going to be a pastor or deacon, there are some other qualifications Lutheran Church says, but that doesn't change the kind of qualification that God gives for each of us just to carry that note, that message of his love. God's counting on each of us to share God's message of love in our own homes, in our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, our cities, our state, the halls of government, even to the very ends of the earth. First, there's that sender, Dr. Frost said. Remember what Paul said? God blesses us with every spiritual blessing, destines us in love, to be God's children through Jesus, freely bestows grace, redeems us through the blood of Christ, and lavishly shares the riches of God's grace. And God's whole desire and purpose is to unite all of us in God's love. That's the sender. And second, there are those to whom we are sent. Not everyone is going to welcome that message. That's true. But there are those for whom it will mean life. There are those who will tell us, be quiet and go home. There might even be a few who really don't want us there at all. But God still sends people to those kinds of people precisely because God loves them too. And third, there are those who are sent. You, me, we're qualified, we're prepared by the love God has already shown us in Jesus Christ. First, second, third. Any two, Dr. Frost said, without the other won't do. What an honor it is to be a carrier of that message. Amen.